Snowflake, Arizona, November 5th, 1975. Started out as a normal workday for forestry worker Travis Walton and his six co-workers, but took a strange turn. When they drove home shortly after the sun had set, they began to see lights coming from the trees, which they suspected may have been a forest fire. But once their truck reached the clearing in the road, they saw a large UFO hovering about 120 feet off the ground. Before the truck had even come to a complete stop, Travis Walton had jumped out of the passenger side to get a closer look. His friends yelled and screamed for him to get back into the car. The events that followed have made the Travis Walton UFO incident the most famous abduction case in the world, which has spawned multiple books and the 1993 film, Fire in the Sky. Some believe it was a hoax, but how could this be when his six friends were witnesses and since then have all passed multiple polygraph exams about the events that occurred? Join us as Redbeard examines the Travis Walton story. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Tony from the Red Beard Podcast, and welcome to episode three. We are going to talk about the Travis Walton alien abduction uh, and just abductions in general. It's going to be a great episode, and I got my man Cooley here with me. What up, yo? Yo, what up? And we're bringing <laughs> yo, what's back. Up? <laughs> we're bringing back a very special guest, Jay. What's going on, Jay? Hey, what's going on? It's great to be back with my boys. What up, Jay? How you doing? Hell yeah, Blue man. Jay. I'm uh, not a red J. <laughs> I'm glad to have you back, man, because uh, we uh, had a lot of fun in the first episode, kind of talking about yeah. uh, the pyramids and stuff. So we'll call him Mocking J. Mocking J. Man on fire. I so, am. I so, am. <laughs> so, uh, but excited to to uh, really get into Travis Walton and his alien abduction and, and basically what supposedly happened. Um, I've been a big fan of. Uh, the Travis Walton story uh, since I was a kid. Um, I think the first introduction that I had to Travis Walton was a movie that came out um, in the 90s called Fire in the yeah. Sky, uh, which is a really cool movie. But if you're familiar with the Travis Walton story, which we're going to talk about, um, Hollywood did take some liberties with his story, <laughs> I'd say. Um, which is not surprising. Often Hollywood tends to do that. Um, but after kind of really listening to his story from, you know, the, uh, the mouth of the horse, um, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of differences, um, but cleared up a lot of things, a lot of questions I had, and um, we're going to talk about them. So just to kind of give everybody a background mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of a brief, very brief synopsis of what happened. So on, in November of 1975 in Snowflake, Arizona, um, him and uh, it was about six of his friends, um, they were all, uh, they were loggers. So basically they worked in the woods, they cut down trees, um, and that was their job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of a, a day's work, they decided to actually head down the mountain. And as they were driving out, we were starting to get dark. Dark, excuse me. The uh, that's my Rhode Island accent. Doc, doc, the wicked doc. Yeah, <laughs> it was doc outside, kid. 
So, um, yeah, it was getting dark, and they um, they kind of saw some lights through the trees. They didn't really know exactly what it was. Now it's an, it's an area where they thought, well, maybe it was a fire because, um, you know, that area they were crossing through is actually like a hunter's like area. Mm-hmm. So they go, oh, maybe set up, somebody set up a fire because right. it's, it's getting dark. Did they and think then, it was a fire in the sky? Ayo. They will. And then... Um, as they got a little bit further down the hill, they, uh, thought, well, maybe it's a forest fire, you know, because it seemed to be a little bit more like spread out. Right. But then they came to this clearing where, you know, the tree line broke and it was just, they could see everything. And it was this craft that was just kind of a hundred and, you know, 20 feet off the ground. It was just hovering there. And Travis Walton being, uh, what his friends claim and he claims to be a daredevil at the time, Hmm. uh, decided before the truck had really even come to a complete stop, he had already gotten on the car and actually ran towards the craft. So he runs towards the craft, goes under it. His friends are freaking out. They're like, what are you doing? Get back in the car. Cause they were all scared. Right. You know, they, one of them even, even, uh, shouted from the back, it's a flying saucer. So they were all freaking out. Um, and basically what happened was. Um, he started to notice that this craft was making kind of a weird sound. Um, was it, was it getting a happy ending? Sure. So basically it was getting a weird, do you get it? Yeah, I, I get the craft. It. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was bad. The Robert Kraft. Yeah. Making I, a weird sound. That's so bad. It's I'm such sorry. A bad right, joke. Whatever. It's such a bad joke. And now everyone's going to know when we recorded this. Well, so anyway, we'll, we'll massage it in there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh my God. Nice. So anyway, so they, uh, yeah, they, they said that it was making kind of a loud sound and yeah, like a high pitched buzz. Yeah. Like like a a buzz frequency or something. Exactly. Not something you could really hear. Like a moan. Feel right. Right. So, um, he realized when he was underneath the craft and he said it was like very, very bright white. He didn't really know exactly what it was. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, decided maybe this was a bad idea that I get out of the, the craft. Um, so he, he ducks down behind some logs, right. To kind of seek cover. And then he tries to make a run for it. But when he makes a run for it, he has to stand back up. And when he stands back up, that brings the distance between him and the saucer shortens it. It lessens right, it. Right. right. So at that point, as soon as he stood up to make a run for it, he said he felt a beam hit him. He said, and it basically, it felt like, an electrical shock, but somebody like smacked him in the chest with a baseball bat. Like it hit him extremely hard and it was extremely painful. Um, and he was being held in position. And then he just remembers being tossed back, uh, about 30 feet in the air and just landing right on the ground. And he doesn't remember anything after that because he got knocked out by it. But from what his friends tell them is they saw him lying on the ground, freaked out, Mm. thought he was dead took off down the road. His best friend was driving. They got about maybe a half a mile down the road. And his friend was like, he stopped the car. and was like, I got to go back. Can't just leave him there. He might not be dead. And so, um, he told him you can either get out of the car or you can stay in the car. And we're going to go back and look for him in the movie. They get out of the car and kind of wait in the darkness. And Travis Walton said that would have never happened after what just happened. Mm. They all admitted that they all got back in the car no one was left on the side of the road and they all went back to the area where it happened. And he was gone. And he was gone and right. they couldn't find him. Um, they had, they went, they went, searched the area. They went and told the cops what happened. Cops didn't believe him. They thought that his friends they had actually murdered him. murdered him. Yeah. Um, and that they were and feeling guilty or something. Exactly. Yeah. So 
they had search parties, uh, search for his body, dogs. The whole town was looking for him. They couldn't find anything. Um, they even had his friends take lie detector tests, which they yeah. passed. Yeah, there's one that was inconclusive. There was one that but was inconclusive. But he didn't fail. It was just inconclusive. Exactly. Um, but they said that, um, you know, they, 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 they never did it. And then five, five days later, um, his best friend gets a call from him from like a, a, a pay phone and basically says like, I'm, you know, like I need help or whatever. So he goes back to pick him up and they realize like he had thought he had only been gone for like two hours. And they were like, you've been gone for five days, man. And he reached up and kind of felt that he hadn't shaved and realized he'd been gone for five days. Um, and then, you know, and that's basically like the basis of the, of the abduction and, and, and what his friend saw. Right. Um, so, um, I want to do this in two pieces. We're going to talk about actually what happened when he was on the craft, according to him. Right. What he remembered after the fact. What he remembered after the fact. Yeah. But um, but let's kind of discuss like just the general abduction and that first that part part A, I guess. Right. Um, so I think the thing that attracts me most to this story isn't that there was a movie. I think what attracts me to it is that um, when you have one person that says they're abducted it's kind of like hearsay right of course yeah but when you have a, a person that has this experience and then his friends basically can recount exactly what happened and saw it happen and right. then the majority of them or all of them pass not one but multiple lie detector tests yeah that says a little something in my opinion yeah they have that many eyewitnesses that, right that can literally back up your story, unless you've somehow corroborated this story for what purpose, who knows? Um, but to corroborate this, you know, same story would be, I don't know. And apparently there hasn't been any holes in any of their stories over the course of time. Right. Like since it happened in 1975, anytime anyone did speak out about it, it was very consistent. Mm -hmm. Their story stayed the same, everybody's. But you're right. right. Like to have that many eyewitnesses right then and there who experienced that same thing doesn't happen often like you said if, if it happened to one person it's hearsay you know it's their word against everybody else's and like yeah sure okay whatever but very interesting right i agree it's very alluring to have that kind of situation happen with that many people who supposedly witnessed it totally and what do you think man i mean i know like we i know how you feel about a lot of things but i mean this is a completely different topic i mean i think this tells me how valid lie detector tests are like so if lie detector tests were like the shit, right? Like, so like if I was like, you know, okay, well, we're going to give you a lie detector test. And if I go in and I fail, they would say, oh, you're guilty. But these guys go in and they pass and they're like, oh, we still don't believe you. So like, if that's the case, mm -hmm. then what the fuck is, what's, what's the point of a lie detector test? Hmm. Interesting perspective. Right? It is. I think, what's I think the point, how, how accurate are they? And how much do, how much does the, do the people administering them even believe the results of a lie detector test, oh. right? So, because if, if somebody can pass it and if five people can tell you the same story and pass it and they don't believe it, then what does it matter if you pass or fail? So I think what it comes down to is it's not necessarily the, the and the people have that have taken the, that have administered the polygraph exams. There's one of the, people I've seen an interview with um, and he made a very good point. He says, it's not up to me to decide if they're telling the truth or not. Right. He used, it's up to me to look at the results of the polygraph test. And by that, 
tell you if they were supposedly telling the truth or lying. Right. He goes in from the data that I did when I ran the test, it seems as though they were all telling the truth. He goes, it's not up to what I believe. Yeah. It's up to what the test results say. And, but he said, if you want my personal opinion, he goes, I've never seen this many people pass a lie detector test. He goes, or like trick it or trick it. He goes yeah. like this. He said, this seems like something that actually did happen. He goes, I believe that it did happen. He goes, I find it, I, I find it hard for me to actually see it happening, but mm -hmm. from the results, it seems that it did. Statistically for five people, I remember reading this somewhere was statistically, it was something crazy, like a million to one that you could actually have five people trick a polygraph all in right. a row. Like, exactly. So, I mean that to me that there's something there. They saw something. Mm -hmm. We obviously weren't there and I can, you know, but they saw something that was, mm -hmm. you know, an unidentified flying object. They saw something that was odd. Yeah. They saw something happen to their friend. They drove away. Like, so whatever, I'm not sure what questions they were asked. Obviously we don't, I, I, I've never seen the questions they were asked, but right. to determine if this event happened, that they didn't kill him, they didn't murder him, but you know, saw something, saw a beam of light, hit their friend, knock him out, you know, everything, even from the sounds that the thing was making, whatever, all that checked out according to the questions they asked through the polygraph. And that they drove off. And then when they went back, he was gone. Right. Something happened. See, and, and Cooley, you and I were talking about this earlier. I mean, not only did they recount the story, but it's like they had a search party for five days. Like they had... Can I just interrupt for one moment? Yeah, I apologize yeah, yeah, to totally. interject. No, no. Don't, this totally. is something that I find very odd. Why do you call it a search party? It's not a happy time. You like grab a case of beer and be like, yo, we're going to go find our friend. <laughs> It's something that always intrigued me. Anyway, continue. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so um, I think it's I think it's interesting though because we you know we, as we had discussed it's like you know yeah okay so Travis Walton is like hey guys what we're gonna do is we're gonna tell them that like I got abducted and this is the story we're gonna do and we're, we're gonna, gonna make do tons it of because money. we're gonna make tons of funny and get fame because of it and it's gonna and it's gonna be famous it's like right. yeah alien abductions weren't necessarily like a big thing like this actually became like the most famous case in the world uh ever right? right based on the evidence like you can say like yeah we're gonna all pass like a lie detector test that we don't even know we're gonna be asked to take right and then and then you also have um you know okay so travis walton says i'm gonna hold up at my friend's house right well they like searched their houses right. to make sure like he wasn't hiding out anywhere they searched the area they found footprints of him actually going out to where the craft was and where he landed it's all like where and then nothing else went, and then nothing else and like the dogs basically couldn't find anything you know so when you have people searching for like 48 hours for somebody and they can't turn up anything and then he just shows up five days later <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it just it, it's very odd you know that that would actually be not true i mean i i don't I don't know if I have any other explanation or it's the best hoax ever, you know? Um, I, tra I mean, Travis Walton has definitely said that he doesn't do this for fame. He literally goes to conferences and tells the story to make people aware that these things are real and that they, that it did happen and that people need to be aware of this. Um, you know, he, 
he's said he's gotten, you know, there are people out there that don't believe and people that don't believe it's hard to convince them that it did happen. He goes, and I, I'm not necessarily trying to convince anybody. I'm trying to tell anybody that will listen what I experienced. He goes, and you can either do what you want with the information, but it was real and it did happen, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he gets paid money to tell his story at like conferences, but I don't think he's doing it necessarily for that. I mean, a lot of these guys that we've watched interviews with have been kind of subjected to lifelong scrutiny, you know, like yeah, as, as frauds. Yeah. Like, Oh, you guys are liars. You, you know, we thought you, at one point they were called murderers, you know, then, right. um, you know, then they're, they're, they're just like basically discredited and looked at like crazy people, you know, mm. Oh, you're the dude who saw like your friend get like hit by a saucer. Like, Oh, cool, man. Yeah, sure, bro. Right. Cool story. You know, it's like, it's kind of, it's gotta be hard for you to actually know that you saw something and then have people discredit you right away and think that right. you're nuts. I think that, I think it brings up a great point too, is that like, here we are in, you know, 2019 and you know, some of these individuals who, you know, obviously, you know, out of a lack of better terms, like went out of the limelight for a while, not limelight, but they like, you know, ducked the publicity for a while. They didn't want to talk about it. Like, you know, we watched a couple of interviews and people talking about it, you know, at one point saying like, Hey, you know, I started using my middle name instead of my first name and you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I didn't, I didn't want to be associated with it anymore. And then to come out of that, you know, come out of the darkness again and talk about it again, because they felt it was so important and that people were a lot more open-minded to it and the possibility of it. And not necessarily for financial gain, just to talk about it and then say, this is going to be like, you know, we saw a couple, you know, it's my, going to be my last time I'm ever going to talk about it. I've said everything I've needed to say. Mm -hmm. This is what happened. I don't need to continue this. Everything I said has been the same consistently. And this is my last interview. Like, to me, that says something about an individual that they were out of it. They didn't need to say anything. But they came out in defense of their friend after all these years and probably... Who knows what kind of conversation they had, you know, like if, if it were to happen to you and like I didn't back you up, I'd feel terrible. I'd feel guilty if like I saw this thing like legitimately if it happened mm -hmm. to either one of you, if something happened and then I didn't want to talk about it and I went, in a, you know, you know, blackout mode and I didn't talk about it. And then all of a sudden years later, I'd, it'd, it'd eat me up. I'd feel terrible about it. So, yeah, I'd want to like say, no, no, you know, Tony's not a liar. Cooley's not a liar. Like it did happen. This is the deal. And this is, you know, talk about it. And then, hey, I'm done with it. I've said everything I need to say. Leave these guys alone. Like, I'm, I'm defending their good name. You know, I, and, I, and I agree with you. I, I think it's, there's some respect to be said, you know, for somebody that does come back and kind of try to set the record straight um, when he doesn't necessarily need to. Right. I think, what's, I think um, what's interesting is that the people who are trying to find out if this actually, excuse me, to find out if this actually happened or not, will ask all the questions, but they still choose not to believe the answers right. because there's no evidence. And I think that's the problem is that this is a really great story on paper. Um, the story is so good that, that Hollywood decided to actually make a movie about it. Right. But when you actually get down to brass tacks, there is no evidence that it actually did happen. That is fair. So that I think is where a lot of skeptics lie. And I find this is the problem with, or the dilemma 
with the topic of UFOs and flying saucers and conspiracy theories is that a lot of these things are exactly what we say they are. They are theories. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to literally, is there actual factual evidence? Right. And there doesn't seem to be. And I think that's why it's so hard for people to believe. It's like, yeah, cool. You got six people, five people that passed lie detector tests. Cool. You pass that five times. Like, yeah, you, maybe you got lucky and passed it five times, which is like a slim to none. Right. But you could have figured it out because people have done it before. It's possible, right? Right. So it's probably possible that like, eh, maybe it's, it didn't happen. They figured it out. Maybe they had a friend with a polygraph test and they learned how to like, you know, right. hold their breath. And So it comes yeah. down to evidence, you know? Fair. And and I think that's, what, I think that's the, um, you know, the realm that Cooley, that you land in is just like a lack of evidence. Mm. You know, like you exactly. didn't, you didn't see it. I didn't see it. You weren't there. I wasn't there. I don't really feel like... I mean, honestly, like, you asked me, you know, before, like, hey, what do you think of this? And I'm just like, yeah. And, like, not to... I mean, like, right now, like, in this day and age, when you say, cool story, bro, like, it's a dick move almost. But, like, I'm mm -hmm. not I'm not saying it like that. I'm just like, it's a cool story. It's like, it's, it's interesting. And... You know, it's literally a fucking cool story, but that's all it is at this point is a story that somebody's telling. Mm -hmm. And until there's more concrete proof, more concrete evidence, um, that's all it's going to be. Right. And I mean, this is why it's going on for so many years. You know, right. um, I think um, I do want to kind of touch upon what happen when he was he, he recounts exactly what happened when he was up there right um so um with that being said i mean we'll, we'll kind of get into it so and, and you had so go, go ahead Jack. i was gonna say yeah before even segueing into that like kind of to cooley's point you know thinking about that individual was it uh philip class was it what? philip j class the gentleman who was like he was a ufo researcher and like right he didn't believe walton or the the other guys that were with him so supposedly and then there's even conspiracies around who he was. Like, you know, he was supposedly a, a very hard, you know, tough as nails, like UFO researcher, and but he was very skeptical. So he wanted as much evidence as he could get. And if he didn't have the evidence, you know, if he didn't consider it plausible, it wasn't plausible. So he was really hard on their story about it. And he considered it just like a media grab. He just thought like, oh, that's, that's what his platform was. But then he was accused by you know, Walton and a couple of these other people and other UFO researchers as being like possibly an agent or somebody who was whose job by some sort of organization to just put out misinformation and to discredit the story for one reason or another. And, you know, obviously with any kind of conspiracy theory, you know, you have to consider all all corners of the stories, right? And think about like, you know, you think about like with going back to you know what happened to roswell and mm -hmm. how you know one minute it's a flying disc the next day it's a weather balloon and and knowing that like there was a lot of redacted information on you know government files mm -hmm. just so the public wouldn't be scared and there's been all kinds of stuff with you know project pegasus and things like that talking yeah, about yeah. like why information was withheld from the the public realm of of knowledge so i mean 
who's to say that this Philip Class guy wasn't some sort of agent, you know, government official, NASA official, who knows? I don't know. Um, again, my opinion, you know, or not my opinion, but my skepticism, my words. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. Just thinking like, you know, hey, people don't want to believe it or they're not ready for it. Like we got to we got to squash this story because, you know, it's people aren't ready for it or whatever, who knows. Right. I think um there's a there is something I do want to get uh, get into um, after we talk about what happened, which is kind of a reference to where you're going. Mm. Um, and don't let me forget that is a point that I need to bring up at the end of this. Okay. Mm. Um, but um, so you know, basically what happened is he said that um, what he remembers is that he woke up, um, you know, and there was this light above him, mm. and he was in a severe amount of pain. Um, he had like very low amounts of energy. It felt like he got the crap beat out of him. Um, he woke up his, he saw like these people around him in this light and then his eyes kind of started to focus and he saw that they weren't people or doctors, which is what he thought they were. They were actually these creatures that were aliens. That Bald. Were, and... Right. They were basically like three to four feet tall and they had like olive shaped eyes and they were kind of staring at him and when he saw that happen, he freaked out um, and realized like, okay, something's wrong. And like, they literally like came towards him and he pushed one away mm. and kind of backed up against this wall. And he said, I saw these like, like surgical kind of tools. He goes, and that made me even more nervous. He goes, cause I didn't know where I was and know what these things were. I didn't know if I was dreaming. He goes, and I was like, but it was all too real for me to be dreaming. He goes, so I freaked out. He goes, and he goes, there, it, it he says, I wasn't necessarily scared of them. He goes, the one thing that I was afraid of was the stare. He right, goes, they yeah. had this stare where they were looking at me and not really moving, just kind of staring at me. And I didn't know what that meant. He goes, and that's what really to this day, I remember that. And it scares me. He goes, and I think what they were trying to do was actually control me via te like telepathy. Mm -hmm. Like they were actually yeah. trying to get me to do what they wanted to do or be very, or calm down. And I wouldn't calm down or it wasn't working. Mm. So they literally walked out of the room. He goes, and I was weirded out because they just left. He goes, and so I was like, this is my opportunity to get out of here wherever he was. So he ran out of the room and he went into this other room that he found. It was like down this corridor. And he saw this other room, which he described was almost like a, like a planetarium mm -hmm. um, where he could see kind of like, like, all these different like stars, like, you know, it was like a planetarium, I guess, like I just said. And so, and there was a chair in the middle of the room and he said he went over to figure out what was going on. And he, um, went to like touch the chair and he touched something and he said he felt like a really loud noise go off. So he like, like retracted his movements and left the room cause it scared him. He came back into the room and then he saw this, humanoid Human. yeah. person standing there with a glass helmet around yeah. its head. That's right. And it was a blonde humanoid looking person that didn't seem to really have any type of reaction, but he was like, Oh, this is somebody that looks like me. They're here to help me. So he went up and grabbed them and he was basically asking them to like help him. Mm -hmm. Person didn't respond, just kind of stared at him, but put their arm out as kind of like, follow me. So he's like, well, whoever this person is, he looks like me, he's gonna help me get out of here. So they lead him into this hangar where it was super bright lights and he sees, um, you know, 
it was like all these like other like crafts, almost like a hangar where the, like you would land an airplane or a plane. And he said there was a room they took him into, which had a table um, and they kind of like laid him down on the table. And next thing he knows, like they're trying to put in this like mask on him right. and he blacked out. And then next thing he remembers is he wakes up, you know, what if, almost like five days later where he was face down on concrete in the middle of a road. Um, and he remembers what woke him up was like, it was like wet and like the, the, um, the concrete was cold against his face. So he woke up and he said that as he was waking up out of the, his peripherals, he saw like a light that kind of just like took off. He goes, so he felt like they dropped him off in the same area kind of where he was actually taken. Right walked down the road to figure out like what was going on. And he was like, I was like done. He's like, I had, I didn't exactly know where I was. I started to figure it out. There was a street light above me. I could having trouble focusing my eyes. And, um, I finally came upon some pay phones and the first one wasn't working. So he went into the booth behind that and then called like collect and called his, his brother or his friend. And they, didn't think it was him at first. I thought it was a prank call because they had been getting prank calls for the past like five days. They finally came and picked him up and realized that it was him and he was telling the truth. And, uh, they, you know, he said like, what happened? Like, I, like, I feel I've been gone for like a couple hours. They're like, dude, you've been gone for five days. Like we couldn't find you. And he like reached up and realized he hadn't shaved. So, and that's when he realized like something was off. So that's his recounting of like what happened when he was up there. Right. I think it's hard for us to believe in something like this because it sounds like science fiction. Well, yeah. I mean, like people base make movies off stuff like this. So when you hear something like this, you're like, oh, dude, that sounds like a movie. That didn't happen. But it's like, dude, if it's something like as crazy as that, a freaking spacecraft picks you up, which is also like a Spielberg movie. We don't know what the hell he saw. And who am I to say that he wasn't there right. or it wasn't real? You know, I just know that I didn't see it and it wasn't real. Personally, do I believe that it happened to this guy? I do. I don't feel like, in my opinion, I don't feel like somebody would put themselves through this lifelong (laughs) struggle of coming across as a possible fraud and a crazy person and risking everything if this wasn't true. And that's just my opinion. I find it interesting, too, because it... it it, it predates the release of, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That was two years later. That came out in 1977. So, right. like, this, it's not like somebody's trying to be a copycat and trying to, you know, come up with this crazy story that's kind of, like, sensational based on what's happening in the media. This was, like, nothing. It was real slow. Yeah. You know who else doesn't actually want to put themselves out there as a crazy person? And and be seen in that light. A normal person? Fucking crazy people. <laughs> crazy people don't want to be known as crazy people. Like, let's just be real about this. Like, the, the reality is if, if he's crazy, he's yeah. fucking crazy. It's not because he wants to be crazy or he wants to fucking ruin his yeah. life. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody. Right, right. Um, you're either schizophrenic or you're not. 
right? Right, right. <laughs> right? You're either schizophrenic or you work at DraftKings or or you work at <laughs> or you work at Putnam or wherever, right? Yeah, yeah. Like like you like that's that's just reality. That's life. Yeah. And and so 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 to say that, oh, I believe him because nobody would do that to themselves. Yeah, no. That's true. Nobody would actually do them to themselves if they were normal people. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand on that. So, it's basically what you're saying is he's not normal. Correct. <laughs> but, but when you listen to him in interviews, though, he sounds like he's like he's articulate. He has his like stuff together. He's not like doesn't have the crazy eyes. Yeah, no, no he's not like I was abducted by an alien. <laughs> Who's that talking to me? It's like let me tell you something. My sister has. A ma- almost has a master's, almost has her doctorate. Okay, I'm sure everybody at school thought she was normal, <laughs> but she's not. She's not. Okay. Not. I mean, all right. Valid point. Valid point. So, <laughs> here's the the point that I was gonna get to yeah, earlier. I was gonna remind you, you need to make a point. So, there is a uh, a very famous uh, guy out there uh, who I. Really enjoy listening to. I think he has a lot of facts. Is Dr. Stephen Greer? Ah, yeah. We've talked about Dr. Stephen Greer for a while. He is actually headed up the Disclosure Project. So if you go to like thedisclosureproject.com, you can see all of the like government released documents. You can watch two of his documentaries on Netflix. One's called Unacknowledged, and one's called Serious. S I R I U S. I recommend watching both of them. They're phenomenal. One of my cat's name is Sirius. There you go. Um, (laughs) Like the Sirius constellation. Yeah. So um, I think it's one of one of two stars. It could be A or B. It could be. Yeah. (laughs) Listen to our first episode. Sorry. Um, So I think um, you know he has a lot of great information, and he he backs it up with facts, and he backs it up with with a lot of like government documents and he has a lot of like high level, like uh, CIA government people have come forward and kind of shed some light on dark government projects that are going on and so forth and what the real deal is. Um, but he also has said in the past that he doesn't believe that abductions are actually a real thing. Like anybody that has been abducted by a craft um, is actually not a actual ufo or an alien it is actually the government um and what he believes is that back in the day in the 50s when roswell crashed we basically found a craft Mm -hmm. and then because we gained their materials and their technology a bunch of all these ultra smart scientists reverse find engineered. a way to kind of reverse engineer technology. And we started to be able to build our own crafts that can kind of maneuver the same way. So he is under the impression that something like Travis Walton was the government basically con- testing out a craft. Right. And then literally this dude walked up and they literally Bill Cosby them. Yeah. They, <laughs> they screwed him up. That's basically if you want to put it that way. I mean, you know, they had but sweaters I mean, and these almond shaped eyes, but the sweaters. So <laughs> the sweaters. Sorry. And I got sad pudding. Um, so and that was a really bad Bill Cosby impression. That was but, probably the worst Bill Cosby yeah. impression. All I did was I've say heard. pudding. All I did was say pudding. Did say pudding. Yeah, yeah. I can't do. I can't do him. I can't do Bill Cosby. I can do every other impression except that. Yeah, you tried to do it. Pudding. It's, 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 it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. Terrible. 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 
It was horrible. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. That's a bad impression. Yo, Grandma. you should do like every impression now that you <laughs> yeah, can yeah, do. Yeah, I can do <laughs> to redeem myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Losing the crowd, get down. So get out of here. Go. So, no, so basically what they are they convinced of is that or he's convinced of is that it was, you know, it's not the it saucer. It's not the Duma. So um <laughs> Basically, he's saying that it was uh, the government who was testing out a craft that, you know, Travis Walton came up. They basically shocked him, knocked him down. His friends took off, scared out of their minds. And then they landed the craft and probably picked him up and like and literally like drugged the hell out of him. Brought right? him somewhere. Brought him somewhere, drugged the hell out of him and then literally Jeez. dropped him off five days later. You know what I mean? With no trace. And people are trying to figure out. And he's convinced he had this experience. Sure. And his friend saw something that we technically don't have the ability to operate yet. Right. Right. So he's got memories of humans. Right. Maybe, right. you know, that's like the drugs are wearing off. Like at first when, you know, anybody who's been under any kind of like hallucinogen or anything like right. that, you know, like who knows what, if, if this is the this, this story here, right? Yeah, like yeah. They drug him up and he's seeing things weird, whatever. And all of a sudden he has a recollection of seeing a human with a mask and this, that, and the other. and Well, I mean, it's interesting because you think of, um, I mean, what was the actual date that... Uh, it was November 5th? No, no, no. So, so, so the Roswell UFO incident oh. happened in 1947. Right. Um, so think about it, right? So 1947, 1975. 30 that's 30 years later. That's a good amount of time for them to figure out yeah. how to reverse engineer something and actually begin to be able to fly it. Absolutely. Right? We already had, so, by that time, we already had right. computers. We already had, I mean, in a lot of things that came to fruition after Roswell, things like the microwave, things that like we didn't have before, but suddenly we have this technology. Interesting, right? So whatever. So they say that they reverse engineered a lot of things because of the technology we gained because of what we picked up during mm. the Roswell crash. So possible, right? So that I think is a very interesting and plausible theory that yeah. actually seems like it might actually be more realistic and easier to believe. Especially based on everything that we've been finding out about what has happened with our government. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they like to hide a lot of things. They don't, they definitely do not come forth with the stuff they've been working on. Um, so, you know, but then there's also a lot of other stuff that suggests that, um, you know, there's other government officials who have come forward and said that, not only have we been able to reverse engineer alien technology, but we are working with aliens, right. which is another episode that we will kind of discuss that stuff. Yeah. So, wow. um, I mean, like I said, my this is kind of, you know, the Travis Walton story, um, which I've always found interesting. He still does talk at um, conferences like UFO conferences. So, hey, if you guys are interested, there's a ton of YouTube stuff you can look up on them. Um, there's also, uh, you know, I think they list where he's going to be speaking. If you are in the area where he's going to be and you want to check him out, I'd say go for it. Um, if I ever have the chance to interview him, I definitely would like to ask him some questions that he hasn't been asked before. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it happened. I don't know. What do you think, Jay? Me? Oh. I mean, I'd like to believe that these individuals saw something. Yep. that they couldn't explain, right? If based on certain information out there that, you know, we we find that like there are certain government officials or even prime ministers that have come forth and have talked about like, yes, there are extraterrestrials, this, that, and the other has happened. Then, but also considering, you know, what, you know, Stephen Greer has talked about 
you know, so if you cut it down and say, okay, they definitely saw something that they couldn't explain. It was definitely in. They couldn't identify it. It was flying. It was an object. That's technically what a UFO is. Yeah. An unidentified flying object. So they definitely saw something that they couldn't describe, that they'd never seen before. Their story checks out with, you know, polygraph tests, whether they, all six of them lied and learned how to, like, beat the system. That's a whole other separate story. But their story checks out as far as that's concerned. And then he turns up five days later, miles, I forget how how far away he was, but, Mm -hmm. like, ends up, you know, five days later just showing up and, like, has weird memories of, of what happened. Something happened. Do I think it was aliens? I don't know because... You know, even talking about the Stephen Greer thing, I think there's a very strong possibility it could be something where he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. However, I do believe personally that there are other beings mm. besides, you know, us as humanoids and, you know, our hominid form. Uh, where did we come from mm. in, in that regard of like, you know, with science uncovering things every day and and just seeing what we're capable of who knows maybe we're the aliens yeah who knows? I don't know. <laughs> that's like a little that's where you get like yeah. that's the fun stuff sorry um, sorry to go on a tangent there yeah anything cool no you know where i stand man <laughs> yeah yeah all right <laughs> so you pretty much voiced it so yeah um all right well uh that's pretty much gonna do it on this episode where we discussed uh abductions and, and travis walton specifically um make sure to catch us in two weeks um, where we talk about some other fun stuff. You're not going to find out what it is until you listen. Uh, with that being said, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. It's like the money pit, right? Later. Thanks for listening to the Red Beard Podcast, which is part of the Nerd Ruckus Network. Please take a moment and like our Facebook page and share your thoughts on the episode as well as what you would like to hear us discuss. Also, give us a follow on Redbeard Podcast and Nerd Ruckus on Instagram and Twitter. And check out nerdruckus.com for all of our entertainment channels.